Well, you folks are in good voice tonight. And um, that's good because Jesus Christ deserves to be praised. He deserves his honor to be sung with vigor and to be sung with the whole heart as you have sung tonight. Well, I announced this morning in the morning service that our evening service would run from 7 to 10. So I have, I have quite a bit of time for the message. So you all buckle up now and we'll begin. Fear not. <laughs> Is it over? <laughs> and let them know that I am busy. <laughs> and congratulate them on their perseverance. All right. Well, I don't know if you've heard of um, O. Henry. Uh, his real name was <coughs> William Sidney Porter. He was an American writer. And he, probably his most famous story is called The Gift of the Magi. And it's just a short story, and uh, in the story, Della, uh, she only has $1.87. It's Christmas Eve, and she has only that small amount of money to buy her husband, Jim, a Christmas present. And she's obviously troubled and frustrated and sad about that state of affairs. And in the story, Henry writes and says, there was clearly nothing to do but to flop down on the shabby little couch and howl. So Della did it. Which instigates the moral reflection that life is made up of sobs, sniffles, and smiles, with sniffles predominating. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's how you see life tonight. Even though it's Christmas Eve and everybody seems to have a smile on their face and everybody's a little excited. But when the quiet comes, and perhaps tonight in the night watches, you'll think to yourself that well, that man was right. Sniffles. And sorrows predominate. And that's what my life is about. Well, I have a message for you. I just have great news for you. I have news that can just transform your life. Because I want to speak to you tonight about the greatest gift ever given. This morning we thought together as a church about the greatest person ever born, and obviously that was Jesus. And tonight we want to think about the greatest gift ever given, and <clears throat> again, that's Jesus. Life is sad. They've talked about this world as a, a veil of tears. But the greatest gift ever given is offered to you tonight. If you're not a Christian, 
Jesus is offered to you tonight. That changes everything. If you are a Christian, Jesus has been given to you and you've received the greatest gift ever given. And that changes everything, doesn't it? You might ask, why is Jesus the greatest gift ever given? Well, I'm going to give you a few reasons. He's the greatest gift ever given because he's a person. You've been given a gift of a person if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, a person is being offered to you. Of all the great gifts God has given you, and he has given you great gifts, whether you're a Christian or not, you have great gifts. You've been wonderfully blessed. You might not take the time to thank him, but my goodness, you've been blessed. Life. You're alive tonight. You hear things. You see things. And the blood courses through your veins. Life invigorates you. You have freedom. You have family. You have friends. You have good food. And you have luxurious homes. You have the beauty of creation and the blessedness of fellowship with those around you. But the greatest gift ever offered to you, the greatest gift ever set before you, is the person of Jesus. I want to read to you a passage from a man by the name of Henry Skugel, who wrote a book called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. By the way, that's what being a Christian is. It's not just following a list of rules, do's and don'ts, which make life a bit of a drag. Christianity is the life of God in the soul of man. That's how extraordinary Christianity is. And what this man was doing is he was describing how God sought in all kinds of ways to touch the unbelieving heart. And all the ways he sought to to call people to himself and to stir love in their hearts, and it didn't seem to work. So he writes this, he says, The God of love had shot all his golden arrows at him, at the unbeliever. God had shot all his golden arrows at him, but could never pierce his heart until at length he put himself in the bow and darted himself straight into his chest. He says, I think this explains God's method of dealing with men. He had long contended with a stubborn world and poured out many blessings upon them. And when all his other gifts could not prevail, he at last made a gift of himself to declare his affection and to stir theirs. Well, what happens at Bethlehem? God gives a person that most famous of verses says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave a person to us. That's why Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. And then he's the greatest gift ever given because he's God's son. In that verse I mentioned, John says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
I wonder if you know what only begotten Son means. It means His one and only. It means His unique Son. It means that He's one of a kind. There's no one else in that category. There's nobody else in that class. God has many children, and some of them are here tonight. So many people here, I know they're, they're children of God, sons and daughters of their heavenly Father. Oh, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But God has one son. He has a son who's always been his son. He has a son, and he has always been father. His Son shared glory and joy and love with Him before the world began, before there was a universe, before you existed, and before mankind began. And there was only God. There was Father, and there was Son, and there was the Spirit. Now God gave his son. He gave his son to you at Bethlehem. We've been reading about that tonight. We've been singing about that tonight. They've ministered to us about that tonight, how God gave his son to us. Come Easter, we're going to find that God gave him to you at Calvary. The Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The Bible says that the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. The Bible says that the Lord put him to grief. So the same Father who gives Jesus in what we consider to be such a beautiful way, amidst the squalor of Bethlehem, that same Father gives Jesus to us In the horror of, of Calvary, unspeakable terror and horror and cruelty. And he gives Jesus there. Don't stop. If you like to think about Jesus, don't stop at Bethlehem. You need to go right to Calvary as well. God gave his son at Bethlehem and he gave him at Calvary. That's why he's the greatest gift ever given. Because God gave us his son. And he gave us his son as a baby. And he gave us his son as a sacrifice. Oh, you see, he's the greatest gift ever given because he's the incarnate God. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. His inexpressible gift. His gift that is so glorious that I, well, I can't even find the words to explain to you. I'm sure you have areas in your life that you have difficulty expressing. Maybe, maybe it's, oh, it's your affection and your love for your family, for your wife and children and grandchildren, and you find it hard to explain to people, oh, you don't even try. Because it's, it's inexpressible. And you see, 
Jesus. It's like that. He's the inexpressible gift. He's the the indescribable gift of God. And one of the reasons He's the indescribable gift is because He is the gift who is the incarnate God. He's the incarnate God. Incarnate means enfleshed. It means that God has come into the world and become a man. He remains God and he adds to himself a human nature. That's why he's the greatest gift ever. Because there's nothing else like him. There's no one else like him. The incarnate God. C.S. Lewis said, Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than the whole world. Think about that for a moment. In that little manger, probably even made of stone, but there, in the person of this baby, is God in the flesh, in the midst of the squalor. It's absolutely astonishing. The words you've sung and the words you've heard sung are absolutely astonishing. This is God in the flesh. Augustine said, man was added to him. God was not lost to him. He emptied himself, not by losing what he was, but by taking to himself what he was not. It is absolutely astounding to think about the incarnation of God. There's a song in the air. There's a star in the sky. There's a mother's deep prayer and a baby's low cry. And the star rains its fire with the beautiful sing. For the manger of Bethlehem cradles a king. There's a tumult of joy or the wonderful birth. For the virgin's sweet boy is the Lord of the earth. Aye, the star rains its fire while the beautiful sing. For the manger of Bethlehem, it cradles a king. In the light of that star lie the ages impearled. And that song from afar hath swept over the world. Every hearth is aflame. And the beautiful sing in the homes of the nations that Jesus is king. We rejoice in the light and we echo the song that comes down through the night from the heavenly throng. Aye, we shout to the lovely evangel they bring, and we greet in his cradle our Savior and King. The words fall trippingly from the tongue that we greet in his cradle our Savior and King. They don't belong in the same sentence. Those are realities that don't belong together. But God has done that. Our God contracted to a span. Incomprehensibly made man. That's why he's the greatest gift we could ever imagine. Because he is the incarnate God. He's the greatest gift ever given because because he would suffer. Because he would suffer, God's gift, God's son, born in a manger, died on a cross. Mary would soon be told 
a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Now you're going to suffer, Mary's told, because you're going to watch him suffer. My, uh, you know, I watch my children and my grandchildren in their infancy. And many of you have had that experience as well. And you look at them as they lay just helpless. And you think, I, I will protect you. I mean, I'll lay down my life for you. That's what you think. And that's what you commit yourself to. I'll do anything to protect you keep you from harm. And Mary's told, you're going to suffer. A, a sword's going to pierce your heart because you will watch him die. And you'll watch him die because that's why he came. And he would suffer like no one else. He would suffer at the hands of men but he would also suffer at the hands of God. He would suffer crucifixion at the hands of men. And he would suffer condemnation at the hands of God. And why is that? That's no, for you. It's for you. It's for you so that you will live. And the Father sent His one and only Son to Golgotha, there to die for you. No greater gift for you. No more astonishing present offered to you. And then he's the greatest gift because he brings <clears throat> all blessings with him. He comes as the greatest gift himself, but he comes with his arms full, you see. When he enters your life, he comes in the glory and the splendor of his person and in all the incandescent love of his holy character. And he comes with gifts and blessings without number. You, if you're a Christian, oh my, you have everything. Some of you will not have heard this, but there was a, there's a story of a, a rich man whose son died in the war. It's a made-up story that preachers come up with. You know, it's not a true story. Don't Google it. It's just to illustrate something. So he's a rich man, and he has a son who dies in the war, and he commissions a painting by an artist, and the painting is a, a portrait of the boy. And, you know, it's all right. But it's a treasure to the man because, well, it's his son, isn't it? And so he uh, not only has that painting, but, well, he's rich, and so he's gathered uh, 
great paintings and great works of art from around the world, and he's got them stored in his mansion, a lot like Citizen Kane. And, um, well, then he dies, and all his, all his uh, pieces of art go up for auction. And the first piece that's up for auction is this, at best, mediocre painting of the boy. And the auctioneer says, what do I have for this? And nobody bids at all. And, and finally, it's sold to some man who says, well, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. And then the gavel goes down to end that auction. And then the gavel goes down to end the auction as a whole. And everybody says, what's going on? And the man says, the auctioneer says, well, the rule, the decree laid down in the will of this man of great wealth is that whoever buys the painting of his son gets everything else. So if you have the son... You get everything else. And if you have the sun, you see, you get everything else. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him give you all things? All blessings come to you with Jesus. Forgiveness and joy and peace and the presence of God now and forever. He comes with, with all blessings. He's the greatest gift of all, you know. And then he's the greatest gift of all because, well, because he's free. Just this one and then one more after this. He's the greatest gift because he's, well, he's free. Maybe, maybe I'm being a little presumptuous. I suspect I am being presumptuous by thinking that maybe, you know, even though it's Christmas Eve, you're thinking about a gift for me. <laughs> I don't know what Amazon is capable of. And I thought, just trying to be thoughtful, I, I'll give you an idea. Um, and if... You know, this Christmas doesn't work next year. I am a great admirer of John Constable, the English painter. I'm trying to be serious, folks. <laughs> John Constable, you know, I'm sure. And, and I love especially, as do many, his Salisbury Cathedral. It's just stunning. And even in his own mind was a masterpiece. So it, it, it now resides in the Tate Gallery in London. And the Tate bought it a few years ago for 23.1 million pounds. So, look, I'm not hopeful, but... <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Apparently, they, they got a really good deal because people wanted it, the people who had it, they wanted it at the Tate, and so they could have just sold it to anybody and got upwards of 40 million pounds, but, you know, they, 
sold it to the Tate for 23.1. So, so one painting for 23 million dollars. 23 million pounds, I should say. Now this Jesus, this gift, this Son of God, this gift of gifts, this divine person given to you, this one who brings with him all blessings, this one who guarantees to make you happy for time and eternity. This one who gives you not just his presence in life, but his glory in the next world. This gift can be had for free. Can be had for free. Can be yours for free. No pilgrimages, no donations, no self-flagellation, no suffering, no good works. But God's gift to you for free. The Bible is categorical about that. You offer no deeds and you bring no money. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He doesn't come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I'm going to repeat to you some of what the Bible says comes to those who simply believe. So it's free, you see. They just believe. They just trust him. What happens to those who trust Jesus. Well, those who believe will never be put to shame. Those who believe will not be condemned. Those who believe will be saved. Those who believe overcome the world. Those who believe have eternal life. Those who believe will never go hungry. Those who believe will never be thirsty. They'll be freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Righteousness will be given to you through Jesus when you believe in him. So this, this greatest of all gifts is absolutely free. You can bow your head. Stop listening to me. Pray that Jesus might save you. Entrust yourself to him now. You'll be saved. Just like that. It's free. And lastly, he's needed. This is the gift that's needed. There are gifts probably going to be given to you oh, that you don't need. Don't give me a comb. Don't need that. Oh, but we need him. 
You see, we need someone to free us from sin. That's what we need. Of all the things you think you need, that's the greatest. The root of all your ills, the source of all your troubles, at the bottom of all of your pain, and the cause of all your emptiness, is your sin. The Bible is clear about that. And we need someone to save us from sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so God will judge your sin. You need someone to deliver you. And that is why Jesus came. The cradle and the cross. Intricately and intimately connected. We need someone to bring us to God. You see, you're running here and there and everywhere to be happy. You're going all over the place to find happiness. The great uh, theologian of the past, Augustine, said, he said to God, he said, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. My friend, you won't find rest anywhere else. You need someone to free you from your sin and to bring you to God. There's no other safe place in the universe. There's nowhere else where you will be at peace and where you will find rest. Nowhere else. You need someone to free you from sin and bring you to God. And that, oh, that is Jesus. Well, that's why he's the greatest gift of all. Maybe you have presents at home that you've been planning. You know, you thought sometime in May, a gift that, you know, he's really going to love this. You had a brainstorm and it was a, an epiphany. And you've been planning, you've been scheming, and it's there and it's wrapped and it's waiting for the moment. And then someone's going to say, gift. And you say, ah, oh, since May. <laughs> this, since forever. Since always. Since eternity. He's been planning. And he's been working. And he sent him. And now he offers him to you. How extraordinary it would be if tonight, this seemingly unremarkable night, but tonight you receive the gift God planned before the ages. And tonight, Jesus becomes yours. So many of us here tonight, he already is. You and I can sing, I am his and he is mine. The greatest gift of all. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, hear our prayers and save souls. Hear our prayers and stir 
love for God in all of us. Give us all that we need so that we might live for your glory. And tonight we want to praise you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Well, we always end this with silent night. <laughs>